Welcome to the Spicy Boys Podcast. Let's get spicy. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back in the Spicy Boy Studio, aka Brad's Hughes Studio, and we are here for episode 22 of the Spicy Boys podcast. Normally, you got you know you know the Spicy Boys, you know Jeff, you know Brad, you know Ryan, but today we have a special you you know guest me. in the studio. You, you think, think you, you know, know me? Jeff. Was that? Uh, you think you know, but you have no idea. This is the diary of Ryan Witten. <laughs> MTV, man. <laughs> MTV diaries. Right. Oh, you're How old yeah. are you? I think I'm... I you're think the oldest. I know, yeah, right? yeah. I know. yeah, I might be the oldest here. I don't know. But I got an Asian face, so I'm <laughs> young. Anyways, so we have a special guest in the studio, Shane Hazen. What's up? Um, Shane's a a good friend of mine And quickly becoming a good friend of the Spicy Boys Shane's also in the film world Uh, You want to talk a little bit about about Loving movies Why you want to be in movies And uh, kind of some of your Some some highlights Uh, Well I work as a film editor And uh, there's a uh, movie I edited That's coming out um, It comes out on iTunes Friday Called Inheritance Uh, You can pre-order it now um, that that's kind of a broad question to ask. <laughs> oh yeah, we're real you, broad here. Why do you like an art form? Um, yeah, I mean, um, been into movies ever since the blockbuster moved into town. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. moved in and then moved out. No, but it was um. Well, actually, yeah, okay, epically moved out, like like every other blockbuster except that one in Alaska. Um, <laughs> yeah, there was um one video store in town, ta- or one main video store we went to, and then when Blockbuster opened up, they had Kubrick movies. So it was uh, but uh, yeah, I um, I've been an editor for working editor for like the last ten years. Uh, I worked for a bit for Terrence Malick. I edited on Tree of Life and To the Wonder. Uh, I edited a movie. You heard it first. Shane edited Tree of Life. I wasn't. <laughs> um, I worked on a movie that went to Sundance called First Girl I Loved, and Inheritance was the most recent movie I edited. So you've been editing from the start of it? Have you done anything else, like, production-wise, or is editing your thing? Um, yeah, I mean, like, I did Crafty. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I, I, did, did, all, yeah. Yeah. I did Crafty for a weekend on Boyhood. So, mm. yeah, so I got uh, um, potato chips for people and, and uh, <laughs> uh, sugar in the raw or whatever, but the raw for people. People love that, man. Yeah. You got to have sugar in the raw. Good yeah, stuff. Yeah. Good time. Yeah. But did oh, you cool. did you bring any uh, cashew nuts on Crafty? Like, I don't remember that coming up. Yeah. Um, everyone was really nice except like one person. So I can't really, don't really have st- bad stories from there. So, and even the person who wasn't nice was, you know par for set life kind of yeah mm. i brought it up because me and brad we had to work as pas in a, in a discovery channel gig one one time and one of the dps flipped out because uh, he found cashew nuts on the table was and it like uh, in his writer 
No, but he he just he yelled. He uh he exclaimed. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was the producer. Oh, okay. Right? Is that what you're talking about? No, I think it was it was no, it was it was it was Tom. Okay. The DP, yeah. Oh. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he said your name and names. Oh yeah. yeah. No. Tom uh I forgot his last name. I'd say but I forgot. Uh he <laughs> he just yelled uh, this is this is not a cashew production or something like no, that. No, no. So <laughs> No, Tom was mad about <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. Tom was that was that was our producer. Our producer said, "Our there were two other PAs. We weren't PAing at this point, so we already moved up. We we're doing other roles. Some of the other PAs got brought on cashews, and they were over budget on a lot of things. And they said that who bought cashews? And one of the you know the, we're looking like the PAs obviously went and got it because you guys asked for crafty, right? They're doing both." And she's like, is the assumption here cashews are too expensive? Exactly. Yeah. She's like, well, this isn't a cashew production. I was like, so. that's like four extra bucks compared to what they would buy. <laughs> I would think like in a boyhood or yeah, on a, on a you know, that's a cashew, cashew production. Yeah. How, how is how is crafty on in features? I don't work too many features. Everything I've worked is commercial. So it's, I want to say boyhood would have technically well, first off, this is the first like scripted feature I ever saw anything of being shot yeah. ever so yeah. like and it's still this day is like i haven't seen too many and obviously they vary um but um technically it was like the fourth year and um so they you know it kind of had that vibe of like maybe this will be done someday mm-hmm. like maybe <laughs> and so i guess it was still kind of low like, I don't think I think the budget was probably going to stay the same until like the last year of it last two years but for the most part like some, well tight, tightly run shift I mean but no, I no one was unhappy there yeah I got, I got a window there's no lobster on set I heard no. that uh, Holly who was Holly Hunter in Twister no Helen Hunt Helen Hunt right <laughs> hey, yeah, I get him all sorry. Helen, uh, Helen Hunter yeah <laughs> Helen so I heard she had lobsters flown on set one day um, oh yeah, I get that. Twister. My other she strong apparently the, memory like, pretty, pretty. of Boyhood was um, uh, uh, Patricia Arquette. It was Mother's Day, and she and I talked about if I'd called my mom for Mother's Day. <laughs> That's nice. <Yeah. laughs> we we loved Patricia Arquette here on the Spice Boys really nice. podcast. Making sure you uh, you know give your mom those shout outs on Mother's Day. You got it. Yeah. Even when you're working. Lobster on set. <laughs> yeah. So you you mentioned you you uh you were an editor for Tree of Life. Yeah. Were you on set or no? Actually, so my whole thing is I started. Um, they were shooting. Um, I forget what they call it, it like the West Tour, but that was where they shot the Salt Flats stuff. Was the last thing, and I got there the week they either just finished or, but it was technically like the first full blown week of post production. They'd had some people editing by that point, and it was like June two thousand eight. And uh, the way I always tell people, um, 26 months later, I was one of the last editors still on the movie. <laughs> 26 <laughs> I, months I mean, I, start, I started out as a PA. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. yeah so. That's cool. Uh, yeah. It was cool. So how long have you been editing? I uh, started in college. For, well, technically, if you want to go further back. Yeah. Um, w- when did you stop being a PA and becoming an editor? Oh, like a paid editor? That on, That's on, a good question. On, actually. Yeah, like because <laughs> yeah. I was going to go further yeah. back. Like my yeah. my first editing days are put in two VCRs right next to each other. <laughs> um, no, yeah, on, on Tree of Life, like I, I, I started out as a PA, unpaid PA, and gradually kind of went up to full time, and and, and uh, pretty much stayed that way since. Yeah, are you are you working 
for a, a, a post company or you do are you freelance? I shouldn't say where I'm working right now. I'm working under a pseudonym. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, but I, I, um, I, I'm working at a very nice place right now, but it's also, uh, I'm working under pseudonym, so take front. Shane is know. a working editor, guys, so that's all we need to know. Now, where, where are you from originally, Shane? I'm from Evansville, Indiana. What? Oh, my God. Are you God. kidding me? Yeah, yeah I was going to. Oh, I was, my God. I was There's waiting for the podcast. Did you know that? Yeah, I've been oh waiting for the God. podcast to let this, this, this What's stuff up? It. That blew my mind, man. Do you know where Vincent's Indiana is? Sure. That's where I'm from. Oh, no. 18 years. Wow. Yeah, man. Cool. We That's were, crazy. We no one's a, ever from. We're an hour drive away from each other. Yeah, man. Holy. Yeah. God, that's kind of like confused right, right now. I, no there was this, um, I forget what, what the, the monument by the Wabash. I always wanted to record music in there because of the echo in there. I always thought was awesome. In Vincennes? Yeah, George yeah. George Rogers Clark Memorial? Probably. Yep. Yeah, it's a giant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Really. It's a cool place. Yeah, we always, uh, my, we had family in Indy, so I always vividly know that McDonald's off of 41. <laughs> <laughs> we could do another podcast. Yeah. 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 I'm like, afraid I'm going to go sp- down. Spicy's Boy podcast is well, going to turn I'm into the, the most fed- topical Indiana podcast that's you, ever been recorded. I'm giving you the most pedestrian <laughs> Vincennes thing. Like I drove by the highway there. No one knows of Vincennes. Like everyone, everyone, like that. That that area, that um, west side of Indiana, has all these you know old French forts. It's all French. That's yeah. Yeah. So they Mm -hmm. have like Terre Haute. No one. I'm always fascinated. No one has Terre Haute. That's where the prison is, right? Uh, it's in between Vincent. Yeah, it's and in between. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I, I'm always fascinated. People don't know how to pronounce Terre Haute, too. Well, and yet the Hoosiers are the ones that can pronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> we got some smarts after all. This is great. I'm really happy. <laughs> this just made my day. Yeah. Well, Did that's episode s- 22. <laughs> Did you spend any time in Evansville? I mean, I, I have family that's lived there. I think. Okay. And my brother lives. I was pretty close there now. Like my younger brother. That's a big listener to our podcast. And, Probably the um, biggest, the he, biggest, biggest fan. Probably he, he actually. He's in Evansville. Yeah. yeah, he's bounced around the last few years, so I get a little confused. He lived in Newburgh for a little bit. My brother lives in Newburgh now too. Uh, Whenever uh, I go back to Evansville, I stay in Newburgh. So yeah, but we go to Evansville from Vincennes to do stuff if we don't, you know, because it's closer than. Yeah. No, I was Indy. So which, yeah, I, I was kind of. I, I was. It's hard to describe to people how like. Especially as a teenager, if you were just looking for an excuse for a road trip, Evansville is awesome because it's like three hours from Nashville, three hours from St. Louis, three hours from Mindy, six hours from Chicago, two hours from Louisville, three hours from Cincinnati. Like, it was really mainly good for concerts, but yeah. um, uh, movies growing up, we used to have to drive to Louisville to go to the Baxter to go see. Uh-huh. Did, you, did you do Louisville? No, I never went. I mean, I went to Louisville a few times, but. There we do that. We'd occasionally do. Um, like I forget going what that down memory lane art yeah, theater no. north side of uh, Indy is. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. Go there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it took me. Like, I feel like because I left when I was eighteen, so I feel like I left which, much later. I did a few, a little bit of traveling, you know, as much as I could, where my parents weren't like too strict. But uh, I realized once I got to Texas. Because I, you know, you go to Dallas, it's like yeah, what, three and a half. That, that was a big, that was a awakening when you came to Texas. Because every road trip, you're still in Texas. Yeah, but then it was like, wow, okay, this drives three and a half hours, and then I'm like, wait, and I started looking like how lucky we were. Like you just named all those cities. Yeah, you can get to all those in three hours. I'm like, what was I thinking? That yeah, I used to think they were so far away. But I remember my first week in Austin, I went to a show at Stubbs and was home about. Uh, 15 minutes afterwards and I was like th- I, I could get used to this <laughs> it's supposed to like a three hour drive oh man well this is this is exciting stuff guys I'm pretty excited 
Yeah, man. I mean, I, like I said, some, uh, I could go on another hour on this. Yeah, so. yeah. I've been to Evansville. Uh, yeah, you did go to Evansville, yeah. didn't you? It's a nice shopping mall. <laughs> the East, a, Eastland Mall? Boom. There's Good. also a mall that's been perpetually near death in Evansville. It's just south of there, too. But uh, I was just, um, we had some friends from Evansville visit this weekend, and they were talking about, um, we, I couldn't remember, but there's this... Um, Really, alcohol is pl- a plenty in, in Indiana. Like it's in between, like every other building is a church or a bar in Indiana, and um, there's a giant bar where a lot of fights start in the in the uh, poor mall that the mall is perpetually on the verge of closing. Like like it's it's central thing is it's a Sears if that tells you anything. Oh yeah, yeah. the best portraits. Yeah. Well, also <laughs> permanent bankruptcy. So there it's like go. they could have like a Kmart there and a Toys R Us there too, and and a Blockbuster. Oh man, yeah, Blockbuster. If we we could, I still want, like we should start up a Blockbuster again. I remember you, every Friday night, every yeah. week, go to Blockbuster, get the new yeah. UFC fights. <laughs> <laughs> That's some beta max. Do you, ever, <laughs> do you ever see I Love Video? Used to ha- I don't know if they still do it, but they used to have a thing where you get a free rental if you cut up your Blockbuster card. Yeah, I, I got they still really. Do that anymore. They do well. That seems like and just kind of you know dancing on a grave. Now. And then, yeah, uh, that's not nice. They, well, they have all the old cut up uh, blockbuster cards. I actually went in there right when I was moving, and I rented a movie because I didn't have like internet hooked up. And, oh, so uh, this is just recent? Yeah, and then I forgot about it. And then like I, I've, I've had some bad fees for my. Oh man, yeah. I got like a twenty five dollar fee for a movie that probably costs like six fifty in the dollar bin at Walmart. I was pretty <laughs> embarrassed. But they have those like hey. rental prices still on. No, there. yeah, and they they do well. And what they do is they like on the first and the fifteenth of every month, if you oh, pay off your, day. yeah, it's like half off. Yeah. So well, nice. you're supporting local businesses. I am. You yeah. know, you got to look at it that way. Yeah. I, no. I think I kept my Blockbuster card because I worried about um, I had a fee and I didn't have enough money to pay it off. <laughs> I knew one day I'd have to, you know, cut straight uh, or get, yeah. Well, what, what's a movie for? Uh, this is a question for everybody. What, what's a movie re- rental from Blockbuster that like stands out in your mind? Is there one like? Oh, do you remember man. like well, getting when, when getting the, off of school one day and then finding that movie and being like? I'm so excited to watch this movie. I, I made the joke about Kubrick earlier, but seriously, when Blockbuster opened, I remember like I was. It was right when I was starting to get into movies, and um, I had read like these sci-fi magazines, and they talked about these movies I'd never heard of that were supposedly the greatest sci-fi movies of all time. These movies called like Clockwork Orange in 2001, and I remember telling my friend about it, and we, it was a sleepover, and. Uh, like on both sides of the aisle, there was Clockwork Orange on one. I looked at the Who Directed It thing, and then I saw 2001. Looked at the Who Directed thing. It's like, hey, it's the same person. And uh, I don't know if Louis C.K. has used to have this bit, but the whenever you see Clockwork Orange, that's the night your childhood dies. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that. That's so accurate. <laughs> what? So so wait, did you always have a block? <laughs> that's, How? Good, that's good. No, it opened. Uh, yeah, I was actually, gonna I was going to say, I remember the first movie we rented from it, which had just come out on video, would have been Interview of the Vampire. Oh, okay. Man. Yeah. I hope that, I don't know, someone would uh, reboot that. Well, haven't they? I mean, Anne Rice World, haven't they done it with TV shows and stuff? Yeah. Lestat's kind of like off. Like, oh, I, mean, I, don't know what what? The, I don't know what the current incarnation is, but... 
I mean, it should be Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise. It'd be and uh, yeah, Kirsten Dunst. Oh, you were like a yeah. Well, oh, yeah. All these ages of vampires are suddenly aged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why are we aging? We're vampires. We're, this is supposed to happen. We're drinking bad blood. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think it took. It took. I didn't have. We didn't like Vincent didn't get their blockbuster until I was like late, like later in high school. So all my like, you know, which is I have memories. Did you guys of have it. a video store? We did. It was called Cole House Video, and it was like in like this. It was in a building, and you kind of like walk down a set of stairs, and then then there's like this big vi- oh, video that, store. So it's cool. No, that sounds exactly <laughs> how I remember video stores. Yeah, so you walk down, and that's where I have all my memories from. It's just like this tiny room crammed with with was, VHS tapes and everything. Yeah. There just, was this period in the '80s where it was like a really cheap investment that gave you like a ton of back on. So everyone like video stores just cropped out of nowhere, everywhere like. Those late fees get you every time too. Uh, <laughs> yeah. How much? Mo- I wonder how much money they made on late fees as opposed to like the normal business. They're fighting know? with Wells Fargo yeah. who makes the most off late fees. <laughs> <laughs> Overdraft fees. Yeah. You'd read the movie for like what? Like three ninety nine usually. Yeah. Maybe? It was always super yeah. cheap. And then and you're but paying. Then you're pay fifteen bucks for like three days late. You I know. Just recently got into the methodology of uh, um, I had held off for years from renting off of uh, Amazon and iTunes, and now I kind of religiously. Do it and it's the same prices. Well, and then uh, do you ever rent a movie and then forget to watch it? No, not so much that. Except I have forgotten my two day window is up, and I'll like fall asleep in the like, especially if I'm working consistently. Like I just you know old parent falling asleep at the crack of eleven (laughs) fifteen. So it's about like what five bucks. For a rental, uh, it's kind of cheaper it's than that. Five ninety nine, yeah, three ninety nine. Depends on, I mean, yeah. yeah, depends on what the movie is, how new the, it is. I'm oh, not sure what the price of inheritance will be to rent is. I don't know, but hey, that's coming out on iTunes. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah iTunes this weekend. Yeah, it'll be Friday. It's for Father's Day. For Father's it's for Day. It's yeah, tell like us more it. about the uh, inheritance. Like, I was, I was hoping I didn't just stop the conversation. No, 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 you're good. Uh, my friend, or um, my friend who uh, was a producer for Terry uh, Tyler Savage, dr- uh, wrote and directed it. Um, it's about um, this um, uh, guy who was adopted as a child, uh, and he's he's kind of working class. Um, he gets a summons from a lawyer telling him that his biological dad had just died, and he inherited this house on the beach that's worth like uh, over two million dollars. So they go to check it out to see if they want to sell it or what to do with it. And and the house may or may not be haunted. Or oh. he may have bad lineage as he finds out more about his dad. Speaking of, I mean, this is not as, I mean, I watched a show on Netflix <laughs> called Paranormal Survivors um, about people moving into like nice ranch houses, but they don't realize like, oh, why is it so cheap? Because oh, yeah. like, there's a murder there? <laughs> Someone yeah, died. like eighty years ago. Now it's it's just like filled with demons and 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 ghosts. And uh, let's be honest, though, if there was like a house in Austin for sale and it was like fifty grand, like for the house, <laughs> you, like, you, start deal home, you deal with and the it dead was soul. like and like yeah, but like there's a whole family that like slaughtered. Like, there's like sixteen families have thought slaughtered each other. I'd be like, all right, awesome. I don't yeah. have a family. It's, it's no worse than your <laughs> like worst hipster roommate who just you know never yes. bathes. Second like old. Sweatshop and a bunch of dead kids were there. And just be like, wow, I, like, I don't have any kids. I don't have to worry about that. I feel like that. if the next like 10, 60, whatever people bought it and it was 
kept going up for sale, people would still continue to buy it if it was that cheap. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, the last 60 families died? <laughs> of mysterious causes three still months after they good died. Deal. They bought it? People are dying to get to this place. Just grab a bunch of sage. It's like, it's worth the risk. <laughs> have you ever have you ever lit sage before? Because uh, it's a haunted place? <laughs> yeah. Um. So it's, yes, because I grew up, well, when I, I grew up in the Philippines, it, that's right. being... A Catholic country, they believe you know ghosts, all that stuff. Oh, so totally, there's a lot of um, sage burning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I can lot. remember I I grew up in a, a on a like Indian reservation. I remember one night we were all in high school and we went out to this like old abandoned uh, like schoolhouse, and we were out there and we started hearing stuff. And one of the one of the guys we were with, he was like, "We don't have sage," but he was like, "I need to burn tobacco." So he like I ceremoniously like <laughs> lit a cigarette and just like was like shaking the cigarette. Did he around. just want to smoke cigarettes? No, he wasn't even smoking. Oh, it. He, he was, was just like waving it around. Yeah. Uh, that was pretty funny. <laughs> did you ever, and not to go back to Evansville, did you ever see the Willard Library? Uh-uh. Willard Library um, got a lot of comparisons when Ghostbuster came out to the Haunted Library. Their uh, Willard Library sells that they have like a. Um, webcam in the attic because books move and stuff like that there was this weird thing in um my first year after high school these uh people who had gone to school with me a year beneath me were on some like reality tv show where like they dared to stay overnight and they had uh you know night cam watching them in the in the library upstairs and yeah but they, they have a webcam there can you watch this stuff happen yeah have you seen videos of it like moving uh, I, I know there. There's. Is there stuff out there like? Yeah, but I, I mean, it's also kind of like, is it a trick of your eye or? Yeah, 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 yeah I got gotcha. Brett doesn't believe in ghosts, right? You know, mm, it depends. Depends on what kind of ghost. <laughs> depends on what kind of ghost. It depends on if you know humanity lives past yeah. death or not. You know. I don't, <laughs> so the reason I say that I'm, I'm come kind of curious because I did go to. Um, What's the Indian restaurant that's over here on 20... Clay Pit. Clay Pit, yeah. Clay Pit is a historical building, right? And, like, it's the first time that the uh, was like the manager at the time was kind of telling stories about the history of it and, um, like, the like some of the, the stories or ghost stories or whatever that they heard. And uh, so, like, by the end of that night, after he's described it to me, I'm like... Because it was dark. It was pretty quiet in the building at that point because we the group I was with rented it out for a party and then everyone else was leaving. We had the upstairs. Mm-hmm. Then like, I don't know if it's a mental thing. It's to this day. I was still like, cause I felt like I heard stuff and then I'm like, Wait, maybe I do. Maybe it did something that didn't happen, but ghost placebo effect. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, am I just hearing this? Cause yeah. Yeah. Cause we talked about it, but that's, did you get some ghost? Tiki masala. <laughs> I did get some tiki masala. <laughs> I love you gotta get some, some tiki masala. <laughs> delicious ghost tiki masala. <laughs> Were they cooking it up? And was it just like there was like no like there's no they like you guys got all this food and then the manager was like we don't we didn't have a kitchen staff because we were only supposed to be serving drinks this whole time. I was, he's like, yeah, but there was a fresh plate of tiki masala in the back. <laughs> well, not you want it? I thought I your like, wait staff was supposed to be dressed from the 1800s, <laughs> sir. How'd you get in? This this is an abandoned building. <laughs> you know, there's tunnels that go all the way through. Oh, to the I know. Pit. And like, because it's a historical building. Well, it goes all the way down to Caesar Chavez, where that bell tower is. I did not know that. 
It, it used there's to go to tunnels. A, that, there's a tunnel that goes underneath that it's all definitely the way to the capital. It, it goes to the capital, and then it also used to go to a brothel. I believe. Yes, you could. You could, so and a speakeasy. What was the original intention for the? It was for the for, for like the old uh, government people that were like oh right. Cool. Wait, the what part? Uh, like, who was it for? The brothel. Like all like well, no the tunnels is it was for like oh yeah yes yeah. it was for like a lot the, of tunnels the elite like yeah. of Austin could sneak around without being was this like eight, an eighteen hundreds thing or is this like uh, a, it was like prohibition yeah. time uh, and stuff, I don't know if I it think. was like a like ninety like six <laughs> there's a lot of history there I was kind of really amazed at how much history was involved with just with that building but it's a historical building and so there's a tunnel under yeah it has to be it has to be haunted yeah you, you guys yeah. know when you go I think on, that's a requirement for a, yeah when you're running around town lake and there's that um there's that like bell tower just yeah no I, yeah. I know that tower really right bizarre. off the south uh, south congress bridge so the rumor is is well i don't i don't and i don't know if that's true or not but supposedly there's like because there's a door that you can go into that tower and they say underneath that's where the tunnels like ended like that was one of the that, exits of it really that's what I always heard. I know there's a large tunnel system in the Capitol Complex area. I don't mm. know what's still open and what's not, but I, all some of the buildings that I've went through, there's tunnels everywhere. Yeah, I mean they're, they're more you know they're modern and mapped out, but it's like you can get from building to building. So mm. who knows? Such a rich history, Indian food and brothels and yeah. <laughs> hey, you want to Texas? <laughs> you know it's a good movie with a brothel in it. Taxi Driver. That is a good movie. Taxi Driver is a great movie. Yeah, Paul Schrader just had a new movie come out, and uh, called First Reformed. But he's been going around doing these interviews, and I got this quote today that I wanted to read you guys. I'm not sure the context of this quote at all, but uh, Paul Schrader said, "Taylor Swift is the closest thing we have <laughs> Sorry, to a Godhead in this one. country." We only live by her good graces. She is the essence of the life force. She's keeping us together. If Taylor were to leave us, everything would fall apart. He gets it. Do you, you know, agree, guys? Ryan? He gets it. Yeah. Uh, I am currently <laughs> reading um, Schrader's. Uh, he just republished his uh, um, um, th- thing he wrote at UCLA in the 70s on transcendental style and film. Uh-huh. And he's got a new intro. Just to offset the Taylor Swift quote. <laughs> uh, I'm just making a random quote. Uh, well, this was not prepared by it. Just <laughs> the techniques the of slow cinema may seem arbitrary, but they are partic- uh, particular, practical. They all have the same purpose to retard time. They withhold the expected. Oh. <laughs> okay. Take that, Taylor Swift Godhead. <laughs> Godhead, yeah. Right. Have we talked yeah. about Taylor on this podcast yet? No. Do people uh, know your I, love? Ask. I don't know. To give some context to why Ryan brought that up, is yeah. he's probably. The, I mean, I know Taylor how Swift much fan. how much Ryan admires Taylor Swift. I understand, but I don't. He he doesn't bring it up un, unless he's very spicy <laughs> and just yeah having a good time. I yeah. didn't know you had a. a, a is this a just. A, General respect for Taylor Swift. Oh, you can say that. General respect. It's a light. I mean, he has an understatement. General, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he has her tour, tour shirt, so. Like, I, mean, I don't have her tour shirt. You have something. Where'd I have a t shirt. It's you a see black, her? Taylor Swift black flag t shirt. I saw it in Houston one okay. time. 
was a few years ago though. I was like, oh no, 19. you're right. It's not a tour. Yeah, it's. Just a normal. It's a what's well, a black flag you, shirt. Okay, yeah, yeah, don't be ashamed. No, I mean, I'm a huge. I'm a huge. I got fan. a question. Yeah. yeah, if Taylor Swift comes comes to you, and say Ryan Witten, will you marry me? <laughs> what do you say? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's a kicker. He's a kicker. <laughs> huh? Nothing. What? No, no, no. You say. If 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 Taylor Swift wants to be with you, but you have to give up all of your film aspirations. Oh, oh my what? God, no! Oh, on the spot, no, no, because that's not the kind of person I want to be with. I see. I think this oh. is so distinctly hypothetical, but there's also part of me that thinks Taylor Swift could seriously ask this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like it's no, either it's me n- or Phil. No, I think we got I, this. My, I think we got into it on the podcast one night, but it might have been the episode that. The the delete the 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 lost the, episode the band episode it's not it's lost it's not lost it's somewhere we, we, we just can't we'll find it one day yeah. but yeah it's it's just like every like it's kind of funny like every like I I started really to analyze why I like her music um and it's because like it's follow like it's like her kind of transition has followed my own in a way because like i came up from like a really small town listening to like really crappy country music and that's what she was playing at the time and then like kind of as like as like she progressed i feel like i did and so i feel like a weird like connection to the music is everybody here on the podcast from a small town um Um, well well, town they consider small town i i'm from a small country (laughs) (laughs) third third world What's the population? God, that's a good question. But, um, yeah, but the were well, you in a major city in the Philippines, though, Jeff? Yeah. See, I don't. I don't even know if if, if uh, uh, the Philippines is still considered a third world country. I think it is, because um, most. I mean, most of isn't the, there like official UNICEF standards for? And I, I've always I've been told third world is a uh, don't is a disparaging term, like not to use it anymore. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But I mean, well, you, you can talk about countries that don't have you know running plumbing, but uh, we have that. Yeah, so then no. Yeah, Drivers. but I mean, you drove to school. I guess. Yeah. Um. I guess. Well, com- I mean, if I if 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 it's well, it's a country of like seven thousand something islands. Oh wow. Yeah. Um. So, as far as population, I'm not sure. But as far I mean, just the transition between Philippines and United States, it's it's like it's night and day. When did you when did you come here? Two thousand and one. Okay. After nine eleven. Oh wow. Yeah. When that happened, I was like, well, I guess we're not we're, no. not, we're not going anywhere. One, one month. <laughs> uh, November. December. Did December. Two thousand one. Did you come here? Yeah. Well, they came. Oh, so my. Uh, you mean Texas? Te- yeah. Austin. No, no, no. Oh, no, no. Like uh, uh, United States moved. Where did where did you move to? Uh, Jackson, Florida. Yep. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I kind of got an idea what I would expect from that, but what yeah. was it like? Um, I mean, see, I, I, I did not expect anything. You don't have. You yeah, don't I have no. My, uh, so my, 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 my grandfather fought alongside the United States in the Second World War. And okay. I guess as a, uh, I don't know. Um, I don't know if you can say reward or whatever, but. Like oh you know you can you can petition your entire family to migrate to the United States, so he did that like twenty years. So that twenty years after that we uh, 
we migrated and uh i was like u.s oh yeah they have disneyland and stuff that's, that's what you I, thought well, i mean yeah. jacksonville is not that far from, from no disneyland. it's funny like i i went we me and brad went to orlando for for film school and 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 i lived in florida almost like half of half of my life here in the united states and never been to disneyland <laughs> wait still still wow you're like you're like those kids from that movie um the Florida Project. The Project. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 yeah. still, I have not seen it, but his, uh, I, I, I heard it's pretty good. It's great. It's great it's movie. On, it's on Netflix, right? Uh, Prime. Uh, no, it's on Prime. I saw it somewhere. All right. So, Jeff, in all your tra- in all your travels, have you ever been to San Francisco? The Frisco? <laughs> the Frisco Bay? Uh-huh. San Francisco? Yeah. You have been? I have, yeah. Hey, there's, a, there's a little... little Sub community in in San Francisco. You know? Do you know what I'm talking about? I, I mean, do. It's one of my favorite places. A lot, to go a lot there. of Chinese places. Chinese food. Pan Express. <laughs> <laughs> no. Close. No. Okay. No. Forget it, Jake. It's Panda Express. Oh, man. <laughs> Just bang bang shrimp. <laughs> <laughs> but you gotta pay extra. You do. Yeah. Yeah. Effort. Yeah. But here's, yeah. A, here's a life hack. You can. You can try it for uh, free. Panda Express just opened in Evansville for the first time. It's my niece. <laughs> it's, it's a big deal. It's my niece's favorite place. Yeah. It's pretty good. Oh, I like I like Panda Express. All right, right, go ahead. Right. Sorry. So we're talking about Chinatown. I love Chinatown. And, I love uh, California. Uh, Shane, would you like to would you like to tell us a little bit about this yeah, movie? Um, Chinatown. Like, I, I'm. This is my pick. Like. Yeah. 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 Chinatown. Yeah, Shane um, picked this movie. I've been kind of keen to rewatch it. It's definitely a favorite. Like um, most movies in Evansville, I saw for the first time, like any movie before 1980, um, I got a saw VHS pan scan copy got from the library because Evansville has five star libraries and it's the best place to get foreign films. And um, I really, lo- yeah. Oh yeah. It's, I kind of think it still is, but um, outside the internet, Did you know, I'm, le- I'm low, I'm learning stuff. Cause I didn't know any of this. Um, but um, I mean, I loved it right away. It was, um, I mean, the ending's so amazing, obviously. And that, that stuck with me. But um, I think the main reason I want to bring this up is the one of the greatest film going experiences of my life was I, the reason I stayed in Evansville is I went to college there at the university of Southern Indiana. And um for freshman year, they had a hundred level class with a teacher who um, I still will go back and see. So he's a, he's a really analytical, smart guy. Um, and y- you know, in, in some place like a rural area like Indiana or any of the small towns we came from, like you're not gonna see revival movies, especially playing on 35 on the big screen. Yeah. Well, USI had a 35 projector and like they would bring in prints. Like I worked there for a semester putting prints together and um, they brought in Chinatown. Now, since this was a hundred level class, like you would get the most bored, pedestrian, blockbuster going, uh, like it was like this model of art versus commerce to dealing with these people who just like, you know, they kept trying to sleep through class and they, just thought, they'd trying make, to... they thought they'd get an A to, to go see, watch movies. And the teacher kind of tried to facilitate that, but he's also like, he's, he's such an analytical mind. He's just like trying to te- teach people film history. Anyway, and just, I love Chinatown so much, and I know what they were getting into, but most of these people, the thing is, Chinatown was a, did well at the box office, and like, it was a kind of popular movie that year, so it plays to, to the cheap seats a little, and so it's a full auditorium, and we're watching it, and I've never 
felt an audience just palpably, like palpably feel their disgust gradually grow. <laughs> I mean, they're into the movie, but they're yeah. just so like disgusted by what's being revealed to them. And I mean, I was doing all this um, research uh, or just rereading some old stuff with uh, how Chinatown came together. And Polanski, when he was trying to restructure town script because it was all over the place, talked about there was three elements. There was the water element. There's the um, uh, corruption element and then there's the incest one. I mean, they didn't know exactly how they were going to reveal the plot because the first draft of Chinatown was so convoluted, but and now it seems obvious. And like I got to watch that in effect where like they were into the movie, but it was just like ah and it's mainstream Hollywood movies suddenly just getting so perverted. It was <laughs> just it was one of the best film going experiences of my life. Yeah. Yeah. That's 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 really good. That's, I like that. Yeah, it's I'm, it's fun to it's fun to watch, watch people be kind of revolted by by something that they're not um, expecting at all, but still into it and engaged. Right. Yeah. Like it's not like you get to watch. It's not like we were watching snuff films or anything when they just were getting right uh, tied right. to their seat or anything. No, they were. I mean, you got it's it's just a compelling story that's told very well. You got actors at the top of their game. Like everyone working on Chinatown is at the top of their game. There's this um, Soderbergh wrote this um, appreciation where he talked about how like just watching Chinatown is film school. Just like it teaches you how to make a movie. Like it's just so like. And at the same time, you, you see more in the making. There's just so many things that are just happenstance. Like Polanski's like mo- most halfway through uh, uh, the edits, like I'm gonna go skiing and then direct an opera. And <laughs> and by the way, here's this composer who's none of this stuff is usable. So like nine days. <laughs> Jerry Goldsmith writes a score in nine days all, uh, with our Robert Evans dictating it. And just, and I mean, but Nicholson and Faye Dunaway are just the top of their games. It's such a well cast movie. It's, yeah, it's just, it's such an amazing movie. It's so much fun to watch. Well, Shane, we have a little, um, we have a little, um, what do you say? A little tradition, tradition here <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> was- um, sorry about that. Um, so we hold on. We oh, for okay. your second beer. Um, so I want you to t- introduce the beer real quick. Oh, uh, I brought uh, the canned live oak hefeweizen. Okay, and good choice. So that's a it's a, it's a what is it? It's like a it's a wheat beer, right? Yeah, wheat beer from Live Oak. It's a local brewery out of Austin, Texas. But um, all our listeners out there, if you're listening along, and you're sitting alone at home you're in a safe place done with a long day work you want to crack a cold one with the spicy boys now's the time to pop that top hey that made a sound it does every time (laughs) (laughs) um I love live oak. Yeah, I'm. I'm. It's funny. I'm. I'm, Ryan knows this. I'm kind of been on a beer break for a while, but live Mm -hmm. oak is. I I mean, I prefer the draft of the can. There's a little bit of a different taste, but yeah, I I miss it. This is a really good beer. Every time I get get off the airport, I usually hit up live oak. Yeah, no, I makes it. I the thing I miss about drinking beer more than anything else is like there's that feeling of relaxation where it's like. Like the minute you first start drinking, you're like, "Yep, I'm done with responsibility for." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm going. I mean, I'm going to bed in a while. Yeah. Check, checking out right now. Yeah. <laughs> so relaxing. I heard somebody say recently that like if you if you go to a beer bar, if you go to like Pint House Pizza and in places like that, like you you go there and you go to have a conversation. And it's it. a place where you go to like actually talk and like really like beer bars are really like the best places for that. 
Because even if you think about like a cocktail bar or another, a, a different place like that, like those are like, there's almost still like a sense of like, I have to like keep my wits about, you know, like sure. there, there's, there, there's, yeah, but yeah. there, but whenever beer, you're beer at a beer are, bar, there's less, um, there's less. God, man. Beer bars are typically less noise. Like, yeah, you can talk, whereas like you know everything else is a little more potentially maybe more dance oriented. Either that or or like if you're at a, like a really nice cocktail bar, there's you know I don't know. Like Highfalutin is the only word that I can think of right now, but that's like that's pulling way back into my. Uh, I feel like beer bars are just more of a social scene too. Totally, sure. like for you know you show up and you talk to whoever. You pay, yeah, that's mm-hmm. kind of the price you pay for the uh, like the seven dollar pints, <laughs> the atmosphere. Or I yeah. mean, speaking of being able to talk to people, though, man, that, that you know one of the part, fun parts about Chinatown is just how quick witted Jake is. Well, so the other things I was looking into were, um, I mean, Ryan and I, you have, we've talked about this. We I reread uh, it was the third draft i couldn't find the first draft i wanted mm-hmm. to, i wanted to see the messy one all i found was like the first 10 pages online but mm-hmm. um it's, it's and then i rewatched um two jakes the chinatown sequel which I, is that the one that nicholson directed yes it's nicholson have you ever seen um nicholson's first movie drive he said no nicholson's a good director and that's what's kind of sucks about two jakes not it's not about it's it's very much like a Godfather three where it's a pretty solid mm. movie but a bad not a it's an underwhelming sequel to a, a great movie and so um but um did it have Sofia Coppola dying <laughs> a horrible death as well no it's, it's, there there's <laughs> a spoiler Godfather three twenty year old movie thirty year old movie <laughs> yeah. um there's something comparable where there's some like weird nepotism oh I remember what it was so I reread the sections of Chinatown and Two Jakes from um, Peter Biskin's book Easy Rider Raging Bulls and like there's you know I, have you guys seen the Robert Evans documentary or read the book uh, Kid Stays in Picture Mm-mm. or are you familiar mm-hmm. with the Robert Evans persona he's he's kind of a the tan plastic surgery uh, producer who spends a lot of money and doesn't really, well, he produced Chinatown. Well, so, but in, in his doc, he started out as an actor. And so in the book and he, then he became a studio head and like he, you know, he fought with Coppola and making Godfather and all these famous stories come from the movie's a great movie. Um, but, um, uh, he, he had so many attempted comebacks in the eighties that failed miserably. And two Jakes is going to be one of them. They got, Robert Town to write a new script and um, they used to uh, Nicholson was all friends with them they all partied and when they were partying one night they all agreed they were going to produce it together and Town was going to direct and Town was coming off this movie called Personal Best that hadn't done well and uh, Robert Evans was going to star in it alongside Jack Nicholson and Robert Evans started his career um, oh what is it he he was in a a Hemingway movie but uh, he played the the, um, the the Sun Also Rises it's the one with the bullfighters oh right right yeah So, but he hadn't acted since the fifties and like first thing he did is just like get a bunch of plastic surgery and he said <laughs> he looked like um, uh, an exotic Asian and <laughs> like, um, and it was clear he just wasn't going to be up to snuff to acting with Nicholson and anyway, and the movie got delayed five years, rewritten, oh, finally Nicholson took it over and directed himself. <laughs> but, but what's funny about it is uh, watching again, I, I right on the heels of Chinatown over the years, there's been this legend about how much Polanski had done with um, 
done with the script. Like uh, Robert Town's girlfriend said that um, Polanski probably couldn't got a co-writing credit for it. And this is considered like one of the definitive screenplays. And uh, two jakes is what Chinatown looks like without Roman Polanski. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, it's Uh, kind of all over the place. How many pages was your original script? I know they said something like 300. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, it's weird because like town and a bunch of people credit Polanski with making sure the point of view is always with Jake. Cause like in the first draft, it opens with a, Mulray or whatever his name is in the first draft is seen by himself mm-hmm. and is a framing device. And anyway, and um, so in two Jakes, like town gives lip service to that. Every move, there's some voiceover, which isn't really, there isn't any in Chinatown, but every scene takes place from Jake's point of view. But um, um, when you were talking about the wit earlier, the funny thing was um, even in the third draft, there was still stuff that got cut out of the Fentral movie. And there's this really funny exchange um, it takes place in the scene where they find the dead body of um, uh, Ida Sessions at the end, and the mm-hmm. uh, um, cop tries to trap Jake, and then says he's asking if he's extorting, and he gets angry, and he says, uh, "I wouldn't extort a dime from my uh, worst enemy." That's the line I want to draw. In the script, there's this line that follows it. That's not in the movie where he says, you know, I used to know a whore that uh, would piss on a guy's chest but wouldn't shit on his chest because that was the line she drew. (laughs) (laughs) And Jake responds back. It's like, well, I hope you weren't too disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that line, that sequence, town put it back into two jakes oh, really? yeah it's in two jakes <laughs> he, he probably really loved that line and it was just like yeah. i'm just gonna keep using even, it until somebody finally says it even worse he just knew it's like oh it's a clever line i'll keep it in yeah and, but um and it's funny because like the one of the weird things about two jakes and why uh it's it's such a under like just weird pivot sequel is like like town talks about how they wrote chinatown for nicholson and one of the things they talked about was like nicholson's so great at playing this like kind of indignant scamp like a guy who like is a little morally corrupted but has mm-hmm. his line lines that he won't pass but he, mm-hmm. he can be really indignant when someone's really gone over the line mm-hmm. and the thing about two jakes is the indian of chinatown kicks his ass so much that he just sells out like mm-hmm. he's gonna get married he's he, he's he was he's at a golf club for most of the for this weird section of the movie he's a member of a club and and he just he's totally fine with selling out and that one scene is like the one spark where like the old one comes back so literally they take dialogue from the first movie <laughs> and put it in there <laughs> that is my favorite part of the movie i love like dark endings. yeah i love dark like people like you, you mentioned about when people would watch it and discuss but at the same time mm-hmm. they're still there it's it's this one thing that you it's something you watch them discussing and you're like you know what i cannot watch this but you accept this because it makes sense to you then that whole ending it's kind of like this big kind of like like punch in the gut well what's funny is for years there was also a big fight between i read about polanski and town about a happy ending versus a sad ending mm-hmm. and polanski wanted a sad yeah. ending and i read the draft and i don't know what really they were all thinking but supposedly i the draft i read i guess is maybe in the happy ending and uh, Evelyn still dies in it. She still gets shot. But the yeah. thing is, when she shoots her dad, she kills her dad. Mm-hmm. Whereas, uh, okay, that makes the, the thing is in that that in the movie when she shoots her, that's such a like like Fincher's on the commentary and he talks about how like it's one of his favorite someone getting shot uh, yeah. reactions. Where he's just I, like, I, I thought he missed. 
I thought I mean, he, he did kinda, too. He kind of gets like, well, he kind of gets like a flesh wound. He grabs yeah. it and he just, yeah, it's such a great one. And yeah. and really, like, the most devastating thing is this two-pronged, where, like, you see the hole in her head from mm-hmm. the gun. And then you see John Houston's performance is just amazing. It's one of my favorites. And just, like, him going, oh, no. And he puts, puts his her hands over yeah. her, her, this little girl's screaming yeah. eyes. Or, yeah. Ah, oh, it's just and, such a great ending. And right before that, I feel like it's such that that car horn was so significant when you, yeah. right? Because you're just waiting for it, and as soon as you hear that horn, it's just like you the, know exactly what's going on. The weirdest thing is there's that scene earlier where Giddy's is trying to get some stuff out of her, and it looks like a weird fake accident, but it also kind of looks planned. Where she's trying to figure out what to say to him, and she's crying, and she kind of like rests her head on the car, and then just puts the horn, and it's almost a plant for what's going to happen in the last scene. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Jeff, Brad, did you guys have anything new that you saw this time that you were like, oh, man, like that was. I mean, I, I, it's, I love the, I love uh, um, Nicholson's character because I felt like he, I mean, he is the, I guess, the audience. Like he, he was, he was never in front of us. He was never behind us. So it's like what he knows, we knew. And I love when movies do that, Mm -hmm. especially in, um, I guess like crime dramas, uh, um, but just I don't know. Like I feel like, what well, I guess, well, yeah. Then one thing I I I I, uh, I rediscovered is about uh, how he man he's he got humiliated he got humiliated in this movie. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I felt bad. Mm. Yeah, especially like you know being like that, that slashing the nose like yeah early on, and it's like man, they had to fucking wear this fucking bandage all. There's this weird thing Fincher points out in the commentary. It seems like it's just he's so vulnerable. Ac- there's this yeah. weird academic thing where he talks about the visual thing of the film is that there's one intact thing followed by a broken thing, and so he he says it's like the watch, broken watch next to a clean watch. Uh, he says you can go as far as to say that uh, Nicholson's clean nostril next to his <laughs> nostril, <laughs> oh, that's, but that's Evelyn funny. has the weird imperfection in her eye, uh-huh. and, then the, and then it builds ultimately in the movie where one eye doesn't have a hole in it, one uh-huh. eye does have a hole in it. Yeah. What about you, Brad? <laughs> that I noticed differently? Or no, just something that's new that you thought this time when you watched it. I don't know if there's anything new that I that like stood out this time. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a question for you guys. Cause this is something I've been thinking about. I haven't seen Chinatown probably in like three or four years. This is the first time I've rewatched uh, Chinatown since the me too. I think it's a I good point. <laughs> well, the one distinct thing I thought I'm curious what you guys think, but the one distinct thing, in the past, when I've watched it, you get to the end, you think, you know, it's just incest. Incest is disgusting. But this time watching it, I didn't think of it so much as a family thing. I just thought of, like, an old guy raping a teenager. Polanski makes the villain an old guy raping a teenager. <laughs> totally true. There's this there's this thing in the draft where she um, they cut, these, uh, cut some lines in the big mother or uh, sister mother scene where she explains like when Evelyn's mom died that he went kind of crazy and became very childlike and that's yeah. when he did it and then she got pregnant went to Mexico and Mulray um, protected her but like so that that humanizes it in a way the movie didn't even do it like Polanski didn't pull a punch on that although he's obviously 
you know, he's been pretty unrepentant about it too. Yeah. Was this after um, the uh, the Manson? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Long after. I uh, uh, I I read an article. I don't know if it was Polanski's own words, but um, when they're talking about the ending, how you said um, um, they wanted uh, Polanski wanted the the happy ending, and uh, and they kind of changed her mind and. There's something along Argos. He said something about, uh, like sometimes like the pretty blonde, like yeah, something. That's how Sharon died. Yeah, like has to die or something like that. Oof. It's like man, because this, I, this I is have, the I last movie. Then he just fucking disappeared, right? After this, he he. Well, uh, uh, he did Tenant a few years or like two years later. I think that's in Europe. Uh, I think this is his last American movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Definitely his last American. He's that yeah. well, because all the the stuff went down late seventies. It was like seventy seven or something like that, right? Seventy eight. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't have my timeline on it. Right. Yeah. Well, and one thing I want to bring up while it's still on fresh on my mind, but you know, talking about like the the character arc of of Jake in this movie is the whole like him going from like that like private detective, nobody tells me what to do. You know, and then by the end of it, he's working for like all these different people. Like he's almost he's he's indebted to all these people. Everyone, (laughs) you know. I think one of the things that like when I first saw Chinatown, like I didn't hadn't seen enough detective movies. I was really unfamiliar with this thing where the detective trope, where like um, um, it's the um, Red Harvest thing, the Hammett thing, where like a detective will just like play two sides against each other just to get Mm -hmm. more information out of them, Mm -hmm. like. And there's there's definitely especially at the end when he's like uh, like he's he's at cross and he's like I'll take your money and but he's clearly not on his side and he's, he also kind of doesn't trust Evelyn because she still might be a femme fatale so right, he doesn't yeah. know exactly what to play. God, and then to bring John Huston in to play that character is pretty genius as well. I am really excited uh, in the fall the uh, long lost Orson Welles movie, uh, Other Side of the Wind, is supposed to come out, and that's uh, John Huston of that R- same era. Right, he's even right, close yeah. to like as good as he's in Chinatown. Like, yeah, it's like such a great performance. What, was there anything you you saw differently, Ryan, this time around watching it? Um, just the. It's kind of like what I was saying about like the the, the whole like him going from a private private detective yeah. to kind of like his his like tr- his like indebtedness to everyone around him was something that I was like it's a really really nice character development and because you know like most of the time you see character development you you go the opposite way you know you kind of lose ego and everything like that but um, Shane what would you rank this in your on uh, on I guess film no like you're oh. oh as far as film noir like where would you rank Chinatown? Uh, I don't think it's it's such a great movie that it, like it's it hurts to rank it. I yeah, guess. like I guess I don't know what else you would put, put it up like Maltese Falcon or something, but like, um, Maltese Falcon, uh, LA Confidential, uh, LA Confidential is I'm, I've been reading a lot of James Elroy lately. Yeah. So um, I mean it's it's. Just, it's 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 almost like, like I don't even want to think of it as a noir just because it's just such an amazing movie. This, like, okay, one thing I want to say about it, it's 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 very stylish. Well, but it's also pretty um, meat and potatoes. Like every yeah. scene, like one of the things Polanski did to get town to hone down the thing is he made like you can find this online. There's like a 38 point beat sheet that like gets the <laughs> 300 page script down, Jeez. and like 
there's just such like there's a reason why he just like they thought he might have deserved writing credit. He just it's so concentrated. And they like, got they got nominated for how many? A lot of they got nominated for a lot of Oscars, but it, yeah, I mean, and I think it didn't win much except screenplay. Yeah, it did one screen, but um, uh, what you were talking about earlier really is the thing that really because it's because in theory it should be there in two jakes and it's not it's like polanski is so makes the camera subjective and it's mm-hmm. always behind jake's shoulder to a certain extent it always like follows him and like like you said you know it's you subjectively the audience he's a cipher for the audience yeah. even though he's his great character and like it's it's this confluence of a lot of different things because i mean town was obviously so great at character mm-hmm. but like before this and after this, I don't think there's another movie that he was good with plot with. Mm-hmm. Like the closest might be Shampoo, which is co-written by Warren Beatty, and that's not really a great plotted movie either. But this is just dense, great, like just moves, entertaining. You're in it the whole time, and it's 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 easy to follow as far as if yeah. you show this to anyone yeah. as my, the, my uh university screening show yeah. like everyone got it <laughs> yeah for the uh, yeah first screening yeah, may, uh, yeah. may not have loved all of it but they got it yeah. that's the thing i think they did love it but they didn't love themselves loving it <laughs> yeah. they're just like yeah. what, what, what does this mean why do i like this <laughs> is there there's so much darkness in the world kind of kind of like uh clockwork orange in a way kind of like yeah. like they uh they lost their childhoods so freshman year of college <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's time to rank. Um, Shane's, uh you want to go first? So we rank the film and we rank the beer on the Scoville scale. I so you can see. I don't see. I rank both of them insanely high, so I don't know. You rank it whatever you want. Okay, well, I don't want to overshoot. Um, nah, you, you can't <laughs> overshoot. This is a one to ten. To yeah. say no. Uh, okay, so I'll go. You, I'll go Carolina Reaper on both. That's nice. Because because there's this great Pauline Kael quote: um, uh, "All great movies are not perfect movies." So we're not. I'm not going to give a ten. We we give very few tens here on the Spice Boys podcast. This is also a good beer. Um, uh, great beer. Yeah, I'll give I'll give uh, I'll give Chinatown, Carolina Reaper, the show. Um, Live at Oak, Trinidad. Eight out of ten. Actually, I'm going to go with Trinidad too because this, <laughs> is, the, this is the canned Hefeweizen. If this were draft, uh, I would go Carolina Reaper. If this were at Buzzmill, you'd be giving it a yeah. ten. Uh, I'm going to do as boring as it is. That's what I was thinking. Carolina Reaper for Chinatown, and then Trinidad Scorpion for the. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, I think we're going to go across the board on this. <laughs> I mean, it's the first time. Yeah. Yeah. This is a that's good choice. That's the first time, time though. Well, I, it's, I mean, that's a good. It's a good way to rate both yeah. beers. They're both, I think they're both like. They're both really good, and it's hard to put them in any other spot. You know, like I think you know universally, they're both well well loved. And I was excited you picked this movie. I haven't watched this movie in a while. Yeah, and so, so rewatching it was pretty. How long have you been since seeing it? Oh, I didn't watch it till my years. Two, probably, yeah, well, probably at least ten years ago. Wow. Yeah. So, but that was the first time I watched it was ten years ago. So, so I've only seen it twice. So, <laughs> but but yeah, that's a great that's, movie for me. That's, that's I feel like I, I, there are movies where you, um, I guess the for the caliber of this film as far as the I guess the all of this thing that's going on in this movie 
if for a first time screen, first time watch, you get it. Um, feel like that's and and the ending, and the ending. Speaking of the ending, Shane, I mean, you know, everyone knows the famous line. <laughs> Maybe you before we wrap this all up. One of the funnier things is in the <laughs> script is it's not a line; it's a piece of description. Like oh yeah, at the very last end, like he's wa- like he's walking away and. And the other thing is in the Fincher commentary, like he nitpicks these random spots. Uh-huh. He complains about the last shot because <laughs> he's like, those extras look like they're coming to the camera. I would have reshot that. I would have reshot that. <laughs> <laughs> they all kind of they're walking version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and, his, and he pointed that out. And my thing was like the shot soft at the beginning because it's like a four shot with like, it's a really great shot. Mm-hmm. It's like four close ups. but. Mm-hmm. Is his face right there? Is it a close-up that shot? No, that's the crazy thing. It's like the, the his two partners, the cop and him. Yeah, it's a little oh, soft. Yeah, well, it's a little soft, right? Yeah, but okay, like it's, there's, but he's a close-up for all four of them. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. like uh, the shot doesn't cut when they crane up to the end too. So it's. You, you I noticed that give this a little leeway this time around. I actually <laughs> noticed that. I didn't notice that the first time, but um, I shame if you would indulge us. Forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown. <laughs> Spicy boys. Spicy boys out.